Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Galatians 2. You should be glad that you didn't know me as a junior higher. I was a weird kid in junior high. Now, you may be thinking, and who wasn't, right? I mean, junior high is not like the greatest time in life. In fact, whenever I see my kids or little kids without a care in the world, and I think to myself, man, it'd be nice to just be five years old again. I think, no, it wouldn't, because then I would have to go through junior high again. And I don't ever want to do that. And I was particularly weird as a junior higher because I would tie my brain up in knots over some theological questions. And we're going to see some of those questions here in Galatians 2. If I could summarize those questions, some of it was, why? Why should I do the good things I know a Christian is supposed to do? And I would tie myself up in knots. I would literally see something like a piece of trash on the ground, and I'd be having this whole kind of existential crisis over, should I pick up the piece of trash? And really, it was, well, why should I? Uh, I I better not do it to earn my salvation because that's not good. But if I don't pick it up, well, that's not good. And then am I really even saved if I don't want to pick up this piece of trash? Like I'm saying, count your blessings that you didn't know me in junior high school. But it does raise that valid question. Why should we as Christians do the right thing? And one reason I was told a lot as a kid was, Well, because we're grateful. We do the right thing out of gratefulness to God. And we should be grateful to God, but I think there are more biblical answers to that question than grateful. Uh, And we're going to see some of them today in Galatians 2. We'll see them towards the end. We've got a few sections first to get through. Let's start at the beginning. And really, the first 10 verses is a continuation of the end of chapter 1. It is all going back to what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 11, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. And then he's telling an extended story of his ministry history to show this is not man's gospel. This isn't something that I came up with. This isn't something that anybody else came up with. And he's continuing that today as he talks about getting together with the apostles in Jerusalem and talking through these things and how they were on the same page. Everyone was teaching the same gospel. There is one gospel. It did not originate from man, but these faithful leaders in the church are all preaching that same gospel. And some of what he is referring to here, I think, most likely refers to the Jerusalem Council that we read about in Acts chapter 15. If you remember that, there was the question, what do we do with these Gentile believers? Do they need to get circumcised? Do they need to keep all the ceremony of the law? And the council responds with an emphatic no. They don't need to get circumcised. They don't need to keep 
all the festivals. And sometimes when questions like this come up today, and there are still people teaching today, oh, if you want to be a real Christian, you need to follow all the things in the Old Testament Mosaic law. One of the many passages I would go to would be Acts 15 to say, "Mm, if that's true, why didn't they answer this question differently? Uh, But we see this clear answer again, going to this story of this is not man's gospel. And the error that he is going after here most likely is some kind of false teaching promoting works righteousness that you need to fulfill the law, perform the law to be saved. And Paul is arguing no, because that is not what is taught. And that's not man's idea. That is God's gospel. And he says in verse four, yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. He's saying we have freedom, freedom from the law in Christ, but they want to bring us back in slavery to the law. So that's the first part of Galatians two, really a continuation of Galatians one. And the whole idea there being this is not man's gospel. This is God's gospel. It is God's gospel that we are free from the law. Then we get into the second section of Galatians 2, where Paul talks about opposing Peter. That's who it's talking about with this man, Cephas. And it says that when certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So seemingly Peter was behaving one way around the Gentiles and another way around the Jews. Now, if you remember what we read in 1 Corinthians, you might be asking a fair question, wait a minute, didn't Paul do the same thing? Didn't Paul say, you know, to the Jews, I become a Jew, to the Gentiles, I become a Gentile. I become all things to all people so that I might win some to Christ. How is what Peter is doing here different? And I think some there's some clues in the text to show us why. One is fearing the circumcision party. His motive was the fear of man. That wasn't Paul's motive back in 1 Corinthians. He wasn't fearing man. He was actually making personal sacrifices in order to win people to Christ. And he knew he'd be criticized for those things. So he was not fearing man in what he did. And then the other textual clue as to what's different here is the word hypocrisy. It's used in a couple forms there. Peter was being hypocritical. Paul was not doing that. So here, when it's fear-driven and hypocritical, that is not helpful. And and that should be a warning to us as we read this passage. We can be tempted to do things that are fear-driven. We can be tempted to do things that are hypocritical. Um, and, And this is not what we should ever do. And if we do those things, we should be rebuked to our faces like Paul rebuked Peter. Well, we don't want to do things fueled by the fear of man. We don't want to do things that are hypocritical, saying one thing and acting out another. But now we get to the final part of uh, the passage, which really brings it home and gets back to the answers that I needed when I was a weird junior hire. It says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So there it's really talking about our salvation. We are not saved by works. We are justified by faith. And justification is something we should think about really in that moment of salvation. Justification isn't really an ongoing process. It is a one-time event where you are justified. Justified means you are declared righteous. And this was a big point in the book of Romans as well. We are declared righteous by God through faith in Christ, not by our works. And then Paul begins to move on a little bit in, okay, then how do we live? Because I understood that first part as a junior hire. I'm not saved by works. But then why do we do the things that we should do? And it's certainly not to earn anything from God. You see that really in verse 18. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. If I'm rebuilding this system of the law and ceremony and externals, that's not a good thing. I'm becoming a transgressor if I'm trying to rebuild this system of the law. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And then we get to a famous verse here, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there in that verse, we see two crucial answers to that why question. Why should I do the things that I know I'm supposed to do? Uh, And these are things I think more people need to be told earlier on because they're stronger answers, I think, than because we're grateful. In fact, we'll even see how gratitude is a part of it, but it fuels these other things. And the first is really that I am now united with Christ. Why should I do the right things? Because Christ lives in me. And so for starters, that should change my desires. I should want to do the right thing because Christ lives in in me. And as we get into some of these other epistles, like Ephesians coming up next, you'll see a lot of Paul's reasoning really for these moral imperatives he's going to give are be who you are. Christ is in you now. Act like it. Christ is in us. And then the other reason is faith. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's the gratitude component, but the gratitude isn't meant to be the primary driver. The gratitude is meant to fuel our faith. When we see that God loves us and he and Christ gave himself for us, it fuels our faith in him. I trust him. So why am I going to do the right thing? Because I trust him. I have faith in him. We don't do the right thing to earn ourselves anything. We do it because we know it's what's best because Christ is in us giving us those desires and we trust Christ. We trust his word. We trust his commandments. And that's why I think the law still has value for believers. It's certainly though not in earning anything from God. That is not the value of the law. The value of the law is it shows us God's desire. It shows us God's way. And so we trust him and we do what he 
says. So I hope this passage is helpful to you in driving home again that important truth that we are not saved by our works. We are justified by faith. We are justified by faith in Christ. And then why do we do the right thing? No, not to go back to the law as a method of earning anything, but because Christ lives in us and we walk by faith in him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.